welcome back to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valley Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, today's podcast is brought to you by DPH Biologicals. To unharness your soil's fertility to maximize yield, visit dphbio.com. Hey, listeners, uh, it's Catherine here. I am flying solo this week. Valine is traveling, um, but excited to bring you a really great guest. Uh, last week, we talked with my mom, a dairy producer in Utah, who um, told us about how supply chain issues and labor issues are affecting um, agriculture producers right now. And this week, I have on a guest, um, someone I've known for quite a few years um, from the vague edges of FFA, <laughs> um, is Bailey Wolstenhume, who is um, in public relations at the Utah Department of Agriculture. Um, she's here to talk to us today about how consumers are being impacted by rising by rising prices, um, inflation, and and what they're seeing in the grocery store. So Bailey, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're glad you're here. So let's just dive right in, Bailey. Um, talk to us. Tell me about what consumers are seeing in grocery stores right now, um, price-wise, and I guess how it's impacting their bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we all just finished up the Thanksgiving holiday and there was no shortage of reports of how much more expensive the Thanksgiving dinner was for everybody this year. Um, There was reports that it was up like 24% um, from the last year. Um, And that affects people not only... Um, not only just for Thanksgiving, but every day. I mean, we don't just purchase a lot of those items on Thanksgiving, right? We might not buy a whole turkey every day, but we're buying, you know, sliced turkey and other turkey products and other potato products, everything like that. So those price increases affect us on a daily basis. Sure. And do you think, to your knowledge, do you think that these price, price increases are here to stay? Or is this just sort of a blip? Um, due to supply issues. What do you think? You know, it's really hard to say. Um, We've kind of noticed some issues with our supply chain um, since even COVID started. And these issues were already there. They just became ever more present with COVID. And then also with, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking, what what am I talking about? (laughs) Sorry, I just had a a moment. Um, Not only with COVID, but also with inflation and everything else we've been seeing this year. So, we don't know if they're here to stay. It's hard to say, but it has definitely brought up some issues that we need to fix and need to address right now um, while it's present and in our minds. Sure. What kind of issues are you referring to? Can you lay some um, so for us? I'm speaking specifically for Utah, so this could be different for other listeners um, in other states, but um, in Utah, we notice we have a huge lack of processing in our state, um, specifically with meat processing. Um, there's just not enough to meet the demands of what we have. And so when you have supply chain shortages or breakdowns um, with labor shortages or whatever it may be, we have a hard time getting the products we need to our state. Um, Whereas if we had more local processing, we'd be able to process more of what we grow or produce here in our state um, and give our local producers more options to get those products to our grocery stores. Okay. That makes sense. Um, in Colorado, you know, we do, we have, we have a fair amount of food processing, but not, you know, not, nothing like what you would find in the Midwest, I think, um, you know, based on, based on the grain belt and everything like that. Um, yeah. So consumer- and I'd like to mention, sorry to interrupt. I just want to, you know, add on to what I said 
you know, we have a lot of these bigger, larger processing plants, especially meat processing plants. And I do not mean to demean those at all, because I think that those are necessary um, for our food supply chain and to get food to not only people in the United States, but other people in other countries that we export to. But I also think that we need to be able to diversify and expand our options to allow for um, more processing statewide and for local food. That makes sense. Are there, are there, um, I guess, are there opportunities for producers in Utah seeing that they can sell locally? Are they, you know, making switches in terms of, of their marketing and, and trying to switch to a more local model? Yeah, I think there's a, a definite push to see more local food and produce and everything else getting to the consumers. There's a lot greater desire for consumers to buy directly from the farmers and ranchers. Um, but the problem we run into is the high cost of processing and packaging that's associated with that. So it's a it's a big ask to ask for you know a camel rancher here in Utah to all of a sudden switch his complete his operation to also start including the processing and packaging of his beef. Whereas for so many years, it's been, they grow it, they sell it to a processor and distributor, and then that processor and distributor sells it to the grocery store. So it takes time and a lot of money and a lot of effort to kind of change that process and um, how we're delivering food to the consumers. Sure. It's sort of like trying to turn a, a barge, I would imagine. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of uh, latent, latent energy there for sure. So what are there? So, okay. So prices are going up for consumers. Um, a lot of that has to do with not having um, or not having processing within the state. What about um, are, are suppliers adding on prices too? you know, like rising fuel costs, um, maybe packaging costs are, is that, you know, processors and suppliers, are they, they're adding into their, into their prices and the, the consumers seeing it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what happens is uh, the processors and distributors are what we call value added um, parts of the food supply chain. So they take the raw product and they add value to it by packaging it, by cleaning it, by getting it ready for you to purchase in the store. Um, and so that takes a lot of work and they are having to up their costs. I don't know if they necessarily need to be upping them as much as they are, um, <laughs> but, but just on my personal opinion, but I mean, they are seeing increased costs with fuel costs and also labor shortages, just trying to keep employees employed to keep their, their stuff running um, is a huge cost as well. And it's all just kind of adding up. And that is, that is ending up being what the price of the consumer pays at the end of the supply chain. Um, the unfortunate thing is that we don't really see that price increase or the, you know, the extra cost being transferred to the farmers. It's usually staying within the processing and distributing sector. So the lettuce that went up a buck and a half this week that I saw in the grocery store today, um, that extra money is not making it back to the farmer. Most of the time it's not, no. That's really disappointing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's really frustrating. And I know where you grew up on a dairy farm, the price of milk that the that the dairy farmers have been getting for their milk hasn't really changed in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super frustrating because you know they're paying the price increases in the grocery store, but it's not really making it back to the farmer. And I'm not really sure where that breakdown is or how we fix that, but 
somehow we need to make it um, easier on the farmers or give them more money for their extra inputs that they're doing that they're having to take because input costs have been rising too Mm -hmm. producers for sure. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. Um, Be sure to check out last week's tech Tuesday with Mike Messman, president and CEO of DPH biologicals. Mick talks about Mike talks about, excuse me, Mick talks about the company's new biofertility platform, TerraTrove. Refined across millions of acres, TerraTrove works in broad acre applications to improve soil structure while while manufacturing plant nutrition. TerraTrove combines microbes, plant extracts, and algae to offer the most complete biofertility, biofertility solution available. To unharness soil fertility and maximize yield, visit dphbio.com to learn more. So Bailey, um, I guess, what are, are, are there any steps that producers could take to, to start getting higher prices for their food? Or um, is it more of a situation, you know, we always hear the term thrown around in, in agriculture, we're price takers, not price makers. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I guess, is, is there anything like, is the Department of Ag working on any programs to be able to help producers or um, what's your what's your knowledge in that regard? Yeah, so um, it all comes down to making things available to them. In order to make themselves so they're not being a price taker, they have to venture into those areas of selling their products direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's one of the ways that we're working on to help them um, not be a price taker at this point. One of the governor of Utah's, uh, Governor Cox, one of his big initiatives is to focus on infrastructure. Um, uh, Commissioner Butters, who is the commissioner of agriculture here, is coined an agri-structure. Um, and that's one of our big things. Um, we're working really hard with the legislature to get um, some money approved and some some of our budget to dedicate towards improving agri-structure in our state. And that means, you know, um, grants or money to help get more meat processing, processing plants here in Utah, um, providing more resources for consumers on how they can better market their products using our Utah Zone program, um, and just different things like that. So it is a big focus for us, not only at the Department of Agriculture, but also for the governor of the state of Utah. Well, that's really encouraging to hear. Um, you know, I'll have to look and see if Colorado is working on anything like that. But, you know, Utah is... Um, you know, not, we wouldn't consider them like an agriculture leader, like, you know, California or something like that, but still plenty mm-hmm. of ag that's going on. Um, it's encouraging to hear that, that those sorts of programs are taking place. Um, on the consumer side, I guess, have you, have you heard of any consumers being really discontented with the rising prices or people's just sort of taking it in stride? Um, you know, it's adding, adding costs to already strapped budgets. Have you heard anything on that front? You know, at this point, I haven't. I think people are kind of taking it in stride and hoping that eventually the inflation and stuff kind of stops and things kind of level out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that this has been having a huge impact, especially on those low income households that, you know, struggle to make ends meet as is. And when you increase the price of their milk or the price of their, you know, their head of lettuce by a dollar um, in a week that can make a huge impact on their budgets and what they're able to afford for their families. Um, so I think right now everybody's just kind of holding steady. Um, but I think if it continues any longer, we're going to see some people that are really struggling to put food on the table. 
Yeah, and that's an unfortunate thing to hear. Um, you know, we live in America, the land of abundance, and don't want to, um, you know, don't want to think that we have people hungry in our in our country, but we sure do, um, which is an unfortunate thing. But um, have have you have have I don't know if the Department of Ag works with like food bank programs or welfare programs at all um, to try and help those kind of people who are in need. Um, so in our state, um, the, the Department of Health manages and the Department of Workforce Services are over those types of programs, especially like SNAP and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, here at the Department of Ag, we are obviously are very supportive of those programs. Um, for instance, Utah Farm Bureau last year started Farmers Feeding Utah, which has been a huge um, blessing for our state. Basically, they're fi- they're buying products directly from the farmers, and then they're taking that and donating it to families in need by doing these these big food give- giveaways. And we've been very supportive of that initiative. Um, but you know, we are limited at what we can do as a state agency in that. Yeah, for regard. sure, definitely. Yeah, some constraints there. Um. Well, any, any parting thoughts before we, we wrap up? I appreciate you coming on. Um, any last words for consumers or producers? Yeah, I mean, for consumers, I just want to say hang tight um, and just know that <laughs> the farmers are trying to get their food to your tables. And um, there's some kinks and stuff that we need to work out in our food supply chain um, to make it a little easier to get the food to your tables and hopefully make it a little less expensive. Um, but also keep in mind that those farmers are also struggling as well. Um, we know that their input costs are continuing to rise. I think I heard um, we met with a fertilizer distributor a couple of weeks ago, and he said that come springtime, their expected um, uh, fertilizer costs to be 100 times what it was this last year. Oh, um, and so that's going to be um, essentially, you know, doubling <clears throat> the cost for them and that's going to be a huge impact for, for farmers, ranchers and everything else with labor shortages and everything like that. So um, just hang tight, I guess Um, we're trying to work out some things, but it's going to take some innovative thinking. It's going to take some thinking outside of the box and diversifying so that we're not having all of our eggs in one basket Um, and making sure that we have avenues for people to get food and affordable food and also for farmers to be able to continue to make a living growing the food that we eat because at the end of the day if they're not growing the food that we eat we don't have anything to eat um because I, I know I wouldn't want to have to be growing my own lettuce and everything else <laughs> right I'm not a green thumb and so it, it we it all takes us all working together and all supporting one another to make it work and um I think we need to stop thinking it's us or them and just come together and worked out some innovative ideas on how we can make our food supply chain better. I really appreciate that. It's not us or them. It's all of us together. That's um, a really important sentiment. Um, anytime we're talking about producers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very good. Well, Bailey, thank you for joining us this week. Listeners, before we go, um, looking for an alternative to starter fertilizer? DPH Biologicals offers a competitive alternative for broad acre crops without sacrificing yield. Refined across millions of acres, TerraTrove combines microbes, plant extracts, and algae to offer the most complete biofertility solution available. To unharness soils fertility to maximize yield, visit dphbio.com to learn more.
Listeners, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag.